0: The schism that's driving politics in the nation's capital. How much real heat, if any, will our delegates feel? In contrast to a toxic Washington, a seemingly tranquil Arkansas, but for how long? Public education and private enterprise headed where in the next dozen months? We'll preview the year ahead in our first edition of The New Decade on Arkansas Week next.
1: Support for Arkansas Week provided by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the Arkansas Times, and KUAR-FM 89.
0: Hello again, everyone. Thanks for joining us on our first broadcast of the new year, a new decade. And with state and federal politics coloring just about every aspect of life in Arkansas, we'll use the minutes ahead to try to divine what's ahead. Joining us on the roundtable, Heather Yates of the political science faculty at UCA. Jay Barth, formerly of the political science staff at Hendricks College, emeritus now, immediate past chair of the state board of education, and now the city of Little Rock's first chief education officer. Wes Brown, editor and publisher of the Daily Record. And thanks to everybody for coming in. Madness in Washington, from left or right, what, choose your own adjective. Heather, what's the fallout here?
1: In Arkansas, not very much. I mean, the, the Arkansas delegation is very loyal to the Republican Party, and unless they bolt from the Republican Party, which I don't anticipate they will be doing in an election year, um, it's it's still going to remain relatively tranquil for the Republican Party in, in the local districts.
2: Oh, Jay? Yeah, I think the interesting thing is, uh, I totally agree with Heather, we do have a couple of members of that delegation, and then the governor who do have their own potential future national ambitions um, in a post-Trump Republican party and how they um, kind of engage in this dance uh, around uh, uh, Trump's politics is gonna be particularly interesting, I think, for for Governor Hutchinson and then, of course, for Senator Tom Cotton, uh, uh, both of whom could be running for president uh, within uh, months.
3: Yeah, and I still see, uh, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, Jay mentioned the post-Trump era, uh, we don't know when or if that will take place, but uh, uh, you know I still think trade and and uh, the issues of uh, the, the deficit, which is growing, are are really big issues. But but I don't see uh, in Arkansas there's not going to be much change. But there could be some fallout on on some of the trade issues, especially with Arkansas's uh, large agri community, manufacturing, and some sectors that are are still. Uh, and there's no USMCA uh, uh, agreement yet in place yet, uh, the, the, the follow-up to the NAFTA. so uh, the, I, I still think uh, that there could be some kickback on those particular issues yeah. uh, going forward. Before we go any
0: further on that, Jay mentioned the post-Trump era. Will the post, <laughs> What is the post-Trump era? Will Trumpism end uh, whether he serves one term or less than one term, two or one or two terms?
2: The grand, I think, the, the grand question in, in American politics is, um, I mean, there certainly has been uh, a realignment uh, in terms of uh, in terms of party partisan allegiance and where the what the demographic um, underpinnings of those uh, two parties um, um, bases are. Uh, that I think is not going to change. But what is the personality that that fills that void? Um, you know what, and and a big question probably is how long does the Trump era last, mm-hmm. right? Is is he successful in in gaining reelection? Uh, that certainly extends the Trump era much longer and solidifies that uh, era. What is that performance of the president moving forward in terms of his evaluation on the part of voters? Mm -hmm. Uh, Economics, obviously, playing Mm -hmm. a a big role in that. We've just got, I mean, it's a truly fascinating time to be studying American politics because we don't get to do realignments that often. We are clearly in the midst of one and it is one with huge ramifications for that party and, and the whole system.
0: Yeah. Heather, you look at race, uh, gender, demographics.
1: Right. And and I also would like to um, comment on a little bit of a nuance um, about ideological struggle within the Republican party in the era of Trump because I think the era of Trump is defined for as long as Trump is the standard bearer of the party. So I also think to, to add to Jay's point is. Um, What is the era of Trumpism? Because Trumpism is Trump's stamp on the party and how long does that last after Trump? And right now within the Republican party there are some real fissures. There are some conservative Republicans who are opposing Donald Trump because they look at this ideological struggle. that emerged in the party because of the insurgent-styled politics that emerged with the Tea Party. So there's this tug of war over this this so-called middle ground is not associated with something that we, we refer to when we talk about conservative politics in the Republican Party. But over the ideological struggle, the anti-Trump Republicans see this as a struggle of recapturing the party of Reagan.
3: Where so- are they? Uh, where's the struggle, though? I mean, he- Yeah, you know, I think whenever the anti-Trump's or or the so-called never-Trumpers, anytime they speak out, uh, they're immediately uh, castigated or or zapped, zapped, yeah, zapped by the president or his uh, or his MAGA uh, followers. So uh, you know, I, I you know, when you talk about going forward after Trump. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the same party that you can't go back into, to the Reagan years or, or the years, even, even the Bush years. I think it's going to be something entirely new uh, uh, that, that's more identified with Trump. And I, I think what you're going to have, uh, uh, again, just as the Tea Party came out, uh, out, I think you're going to have a new revolution of, of, of some kind of movement back to traditional conservatism. Uh, that that emerges after Trump years, because that is the one thing that that is not been talked about the issue of deficits, uh, the, which was a true uh, hallmark of the Republican Party, uh, real issues that that conservatives centered around. That's not the that's not the party we know now. Right.
2: And but interestingly, I think there is going to be this factional battle mm-hmm. after um, after Trumpism. Um, and, and, and from an Arkansas perspective, I mean, I think Senator Cotton and, and Governor Hutchinson may be on, on mm-hmm. different sides of that battle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. with, with Senator Cotton certainly buying much more into a, 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 a Trumpism with a, t- a twist, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, but uh, uh, Governor Hutchinson, who, who clearly has been, Momentarily resistant, um, but uh, but has folded in um, um, during the Trump era. Yeah, but yeah. to
1: answer your question about where this resistance is occurring, we see it with um, newly emergent groups this year, and we also see the libertarian think tanks actually harboring a lot of this resistance. We're seeing it from George Conway, who we know is is a spouse <laughs> to a very high profile White House counsel. We also are seeing it from Bill Kristol, um, who just organized Defending Democracy Together and um, a, and also a policy institute and some PACs, George Conway, um, just mentioned the the Lincoln Project yesterday, so that's a new pack that is going to stand in opposition to, to Trump. Now, how successful they'll be is the question. But we see these enclaves of resistance emerging, emerging. Excuse me, within the federal society because the uh, George Conway also established a loose network of attorneys within the federal society called Checks and Balances. So we have a lot of these different enclaves there. And to build on both points made at this table is that there is is a struggle to try to recapture that old Republican Party, but because I do think that they see on the horizon what's at stake. And they see this party of Reagan, this era of this this conservatism that he restructured and recuperated slipping away. Now What's taking that place? There's a vacuum, there's a void, and there's individuals like Tom Cotton who want to step into that, who are going to be entrepreneurs and they're going to exploit an opportunity for their own personal careers. And if you're an ambitious politician, why wouldn't you? Right, because there's a lot of individuals who have seen Trump as that opportunity to exploit, to expand their careers. So um, we're still sitting at the, the, the top of 2020, trying to figure out what this year is going to look like in terms of defining the Republican brand and defining the Trumpism, really.
0: If there would be any federal race in Arkansas next year that would, that, that would, that would pose some difficulty to, a, to an incumbent, it would appear It would appear the second district Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do we think the fallout for
2: mr hill well i think uh you know well-known
0: well-known democratic nominee right mm -hmm, senator
2: so it was obviously the close the close race in arkansas um in 2018 as well with a lot of national interest uh, I think a Senator uh, Elliott, Senator Joyce Elliott, who ran in 2010 as the nominee and was, uh, was really beaten very badly uh, in that cycle, which was a big cycle for, uh, for Republicanism uh, in this state. Um, the real question, it, in a weird way, I think she is a much better fit for the politics of 2020 than she was for the politics of 2010 because she is yeah. a big personality mm-hmm. uh, who is very clear in her, in her ideology um, she has good use of social media. I mean, she has some of those things that, that are uh, a good fit for 2020. The, I think the fundamental question is, do national actors engage in that race or do they see other more plum opportunities around the nation? Because she has to have outside money to make that even a competitive race. If not, she probably does better than in 2010 uh, because of changing demographics in the district, but, but that's a long way from winning a race.
0: Legislature particularly, we need to look at, too.
1: Right, right. And, I, and to comment on Joyce Elliott's candidacy, I do think that in 2020, she does have um, the ability to attract outside money more so than she did in 2010, because 2010, too, was also a year for the Tea Party. It's that insurgent-style politics. Again, it's that anti-establishment. It's anti-Obama. So there's that intersectionality of, of race involved in this as well, too. And so coming off of the 2018 midterm year, that saw a record number of women elected not only to the. Arkansas state legislature, but to also the federal Congress. This is making Joyce Elliott a much um, more competitive candidate in terms of just not just on identity, but money and messaging too. And French Hill is going to have to engage Joyce Elliott on a message where he kind of ignored Clark Tucker and talked past Clark Tucker because Clark Tucker. Clark Tucker's message was um, very singular, and Joyce Elliott brings something much more nuanced. Um, And this also has, you know, we're in a a campaign year, a presidential campaign year, and whenever you have presidential candidates at the top of the ballot, that has the propensity to nationalize all the down-ballot races. So that has the propensity to play out here, not only in the federal races, but our state legislative races too. As, As insane as this sounds, that in this era of Trump, even mayoral races have been nationalized under under this rubric of politics, so I think that we 're going to see um Nationalization, not in terms of maybe national attention. I do think that the Arkansas D- second district is going to get national attention, but I think the state legislature too has. Um, well, it depends on if you're talking about the Republican state legislators or the Democratic state legislators too, because I've I've mentioned that the state of the Democratic Party in this um, in Arkansas is distressed, yeah. and yeah,
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I see that second district It still comes down to to Trump. I mean, the uh, uh, I I still think the the uh, that, you know, she talked about the down-ballot uh, issues. Uh, uh, Trump's uh, presence on the ballot is still going to have a huge impact on every single race, and even the second district race. It, 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 w- the Democratic Party is in distress. Uh, that's an a understatement. And to, to even get to back to, to where uh, they are competitive in any congressional races is going gonna, is gonna to take a lot of money and a, and a lot of ground, ground gain. As
0: always, there are more than named proper names. Anyway, on uh, <laughs> uh, on the uh, on the ballot, Jay, mm-hmm. we'll have some issues that we'll have to.
2: Yeah, discuss. and we know a handful are already going to be on the ballot because the legislature has placed them there. And, mm-hmm. and in many ones, uh, ways, uh, obviously the 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 highway tax is going to get a fair amount of um, of um, attention. Uh, mm-hmm. The governor is investing already a lot of energy yeah. in in that issue. I think the most interesting ballot measure that we know is going to be on the ballot is a proposal to actually make it harder for citizens to place ballot measures on the ballot. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of uh, grassroots organizations Uh, really fighting that hard, both on on the far left and the far right. Uh, It's interesting because the the Family Council has used uh, the ballot measure to move the needle on some of the issues they care most about. A lot of progressive organizations uh, have seen the ballot measure as the way to get change done on the progressive side. So I think there's going to be a lot of attention on that issue. Um, And then we are still a little unclear on exactly what citizen uh, initiatives are going to show up, whether we are going to see uh, a first attempt at, at marijuana, uh, recreational marijuana mm-hmm. uh, legalization, if we're going to see um, uh, issues related to uh, uh, re, uh, recasting who draws uh, legislative and congressional district lines, which is obviously a very crucial issue moving forward. So we've got a, a, an array of issues out there that are floating. Uh, we don't know which ones are going to stick and which ones are going to be fleeting.
0: Yeah, Wes, the the lines behind those, uh, uh, the numbers behind those
3: lines, which will be drawn in about a year. We'll mm-hmm. start
0: counting noses in a couple of months. Yeah, uh,
3: in March, uh, and already the Governor Hutchinson uh, has his uh, a Census Bureau, the upcoming 2000 population count. Uh, in 2016, Arkansas reached a hallmark. We went over the 3 million mark for the first time in our history, so that's a historical mark. And, and we're right, uh, in, in the, uh, as the 32nd largest state, we're, we're right in the center of, of actually moving up. Or we could, you know, if we have the undercount that we've had in the last... Uh, decennial uh, 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 population counts back in 2010 then Arkansas could lose money they could lose con- uh, 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 you know uh, federal money is based on that population count so Arkansas has a lot to, to gain uh, Governor Hutchins has put together a committee and there's also a, a private, uh, another coalition called the Arkansas Counts that that's more so grassroots. So there's a lot of uh, uh, people that are working to make sure that every person is counted. But there is still that undercurrent of 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 uh, 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 in Arkansas people who are marginalized who don't get counted, people who may be immigrants who are, are, are there's there's still myths and urban myths out there that. Uh, that if, if the immigrant votes, then they could, you know, they, they, they could get in trouble. but uh, then, So they are going to be in the shadows. Uh, uh, so there's gonna, efforts to make sure every, not every citizen, but every resident of the state of Arkansas. Every is breathing person. Treatment. Yeah, yeah. 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 every person is counted. And that has a, a, a large impact on the state of Arkansas in terms of federal funds. Uh, uh, Governor Hutchinson and some others have estimated that in 2010 we lost... Almost a billion dollars by not having people counted, both in urban areas, particularly around Central Arkansas, uh, uh, right around the capital, and in rural areas where in the Delta where uh, you've you've seen people go to other states, and then but but still there are people who are not being counted. Heather,
1: and something else too that I'm wondering if if the nationalization of elections this year it's also going to nationalize the, the politics around the census. Mm-hmm. Because just last summer, remember the Trump administration lost a legal bid to get mm-hmm. the citizen question mm-hmm. on this the, the census um questionnaire. And so your point is very well taken that I am really worried about a misinformation campaign about um, is the citizenship question on the census because uh, exploiting the, the low information among either citizens, residents, and believing in the misinformation. And so I think this is also um, something in the coming months that we might be observing is that there is this heightened politicization of the census. It's going to be the heightened politicization of counting. It's going to be the heightened politicization of rural versus urban um, because of exactly what West has outlined is at stake. It's a lot of federal dollars. Um, and also, it is those the, the congressional districts, you know, and the state legislature um, and the party in power gets the spoils of that battle to draw the lines. And,
3: you know, one of the particular problems in Arkansas is this is the first time that the census in the history of the census that the first kind of cast will be online. Uh, the census will first try to get people to to uh, uh, take that questionnaire online and then by phone. And then they'll go out canvassing the neighborhoods to to get people door to door. And that's always a real problem. Yeah. And first of all, if you look at Arkansas and, and the history of, of internet access, that issue of getting people online in poor areas is always, uh, Arkansas has about, uh, uh, out of the, 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 the number of counties that we have, 75 counties, I think there are about half of those counties are what are called HTC counties, or so hard to count areas where, where it's very difficult to get out on the ground and count those people. Uh, that's what happened in the last, uh, in 2010, and it could be an issue. Uh, but Governor Hutchinson and other groups are really trying to, to uh, tackle this. Uh, I think uh, George McGill, who's leading the governor's campaign, the, the, the black mayor in Fort Smith, to, to make sure that every person is counted. Wes, everybody at DFNA is smiling. I mean, the
0: state's flush with cash, and we keep exceeding revenue projections. Mm-hmm. Uh, unemployment is uh, low, joblessness very low. What's the outlook? Now
3: the, we're starting to see some break in the tariff situation on ag products. And right, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, unless uh, 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 nationally there, there's something done that, that can... It seems like every time the, the economy gets a good, good momentum, the Trump administration does something to, to stop the momentum. I you had the recession talk, uh, you you got the interest rate issues, but the economy, you're still seeing in in the marketplace, in the job marketplace, jobs are being added. Last month, it was, uh, I, I think in the last month of of, of December, uh, I think the estimate is that there are gonna be 300,000 uh, uh, people added to, to and so for the average of, of, of 2019 there was about 200,000 average people added to the payrolls every month if that continues uh, uh, this talk of a recession is is uh, still kind of premature still uh, 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 interest rates are are, are, uh, are still the issue out there the Trump administration is trying to to, to hold back the Fed but I think in 2020, uh, uh, 20, Arkansas economy is, is going along. We don't do as bad as the national economy, but we don't do it uh, uh, as worse off as, as some other states. So I think Arkansas economy, you mentioned that that we're flush with cash uh, going in. I think there's gonna be a fight over surplus yeah. in, in the, uh, uh, when the legislature come back in, in town, uh, uh, which is uh, is a good thing to have. But. Uh, uh, unless something is done on the trade issue, I think arkansas 's economy is going to do do pretty well not as not as well as it has in the past, but just kind of uh, uh, but i don 't think you 're going to have a a, a, a downturn or or a, a, where we, where we saw recession in in the past decade okay education
0: k twelve and beyond our last glimpse of the crystal ball we 've got uh, k twelve j bar everyone <laughs> uh, can't decide how we're going to decide whether the public schools need more money, or at least we have it at this particular moment. And in the meantime, public, uh, higher ed in Arkansas, public and private, is facing, let's not call it a crisis, but a set of daunting circumstances. But Jay, let's start with
2: K-12. Yeah, so. uh, (laughs) Pre-K-12. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, The adequacy study is what you were referencing, obviously Arkansas has um, has um, under the Lakeview decision of the last decade is required to uh, provide every child an adequate education. Um, that obviously backs up to money and uh, figuring out what is really necessary for a truly adequate education is the question. Um, for a number of years, um, Arkansas has basically done this on a cost of living increase uh, mm-hmm. way rather than doing a true adequacy study. There's been a real interest in going out, doing a real, a comprehensive look at how much it costs in uh, 2020 to to educate uh, children in the state, um, and uh, that itself is political, of mm-hmm. course, um, and so we will that will be determined, and hopefully, you know, by this time next year, we will know uh, an answer to that question going into the 2021 uh, legislative session. Uh, so that's that's a big issue uh, statewide, and we know that um, you know broadband is an issue in mm-hmm. in, in areas uh, for education that was not. Uh, when Lakeview was decided, and we've got some areas of the state where yeah, a lot of uh, kids don't have access to uh, broadband um, high speed bro- broadband uh, either in their schools or or out uh, at home. Uh, that's a for a good example of a new issue uh, that is, a part of, a, of some of the challenges of educating children now in a way that it was not in the past.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we have full transparency, you have a, let's say, a vested stake in LRSD, Little Rock School District.
2: I think, I think we all should uh, well, <laughs> as will. a state. Yeah. Uh, Any yeah.
0: significant movement do you foresee in the months ahead?
2: Well, we do know that uh, in 2020, um, if all continues on path, there'll be a big set of school board elections um, in Mm -hmm. the city of Little Rock, uh, in the Little Rock School District, uh, which makes up most of the city of Little Rock. um, And those are going to be huge determinants of the future of that district, uh, the future of recognition of the of the state's uh, the teachers union in that district, a variety of other issues related to the direction for LRSD. Uh, but we're going to see it in 2020 a lot of a lot of uh, action at the state level, at the LRSD level, at the city level, uh, all around those issues. So it's going to continue to stay in the in the news on the front page of the newspaper as it has for for decades. Yeah,
0: and Heather, uh, higher ed facing daunting challenges. As we said, fiscal enrollment that would be tied together. They, statewide.
1: And they always are statewide, and, and and every generation of faculty always says that every, every cohort faces uncertainty. But this really is a lot of uncertainty, and it pivots around very politicized questions of um, what is the state legislature's commitment to investing in higher education, and public universities do get some investment from the state legislature, even though that is waning. Um, but these campuses in Arkansas are also distressed because um, it, it, as the 2019 year uh, headlines showed that there's um, several institutions that um, have lines of credit that are shriveling up and there are um, forced retirements, retirement buyouts. So we've got shrinking faculty, but we've also then um, looking at the number of enrollments and students matriculating and that's also dwindling as well too. So there's a lot of question marks on the horizon about what does higher education look like in the state and then that circles back around to the legislature and it's a very nervous question that if the legislature is seeing that the These lower enrollments, does that necessitate more um, investment in campuses? Of course, campuses are going to say yes, that's investment in higher education because of that translates into other economic benefits down the road. But there's too many question marks right now as we sit here in January 2020 to see what unfolds. Um, So to be determined, and I hate to leave it there, but to be determined...
0: We can say that about every year, but especially <laughs> yeah, 2020. Yeah. May we all survive it, yeah. and you too, and survive it, and not only that, but prosper and continue to join us every week. See you next
3: week. Happy New Year.
1: Support for Arkansas Week provided by the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, the Arkansas Times, and KUAR-FM 89.